All right, everybody, welcome to the Battle Buddy Podcast. I've got Jeff Sykes with me here, and we're going to talk about a lot of interesting things today, so hold on. Welcome to the Battle Buddy Podcast with Keith McKeever. All right, like I said, I got Jeff Sykes on here. Jeff, I've known you for, what, uh, maybe two or three years since you went on our flight, and uh, we got some awesome and interesting things to talk about here. So go ahead and uh, introduce yourself. Who are you? Where are you from? What you do in the military? Things like that. Uh, my name is Jeff Sykes. I'm from, uh, originally I grew up in Green Valley, Illinois, a little small farming town. Um, I then worked for eight and a half years. Um, when the surge was called by President Bush, I felt it necessary to join. I joined and became a member of the 82nd Airborne. Um, Served in Iraq. I got the Iraq medal with a campaign star. I've got a medal for going on over 150 combat missions, the ARCOM. Uh, <clears throat> I got uh, injured, the uh, second traumatic brain injury. The first traumatic brain injury was because of, of an Iraq incident. The second uh, traumatic brain injury was due to a parachute injury. I got discharged from the Army in September of 2010 uh, medically. I then um, got involved uh, kind of with the VA, but not really at that point. I, uh, you know, was just going to once a year primary visits and that was it. I was not worried about getting my health better or anything. Um, my wife at the time, she was a severe diabetic. Uh, she passed away in August of 2011. Um, from diabetes, she went to a diabetic coma, and they couldn't pull her out of it. Oh, man, I'm sorry to hear that. I didn't know that. I had, uh, when I got discharged from the Army medically, I got discharged with my first service dog, Reese. So he was at my side when, when I lost my wife, and then due to losing my wife, I decided to move from North Carolina back to Central Illinois. <clears throat> I, uh, me and Reese, I found a place in Pekin, and well, because of, of all the things that had happened in my life, I was um, a, a suicidal person. And my first suicide attempt, I tried to hang myself in my basement of my Pekin house that I found. And Reese, knowing that I was left side affected, knew which side that he had to put his weight on to keep me from kicking the chair out from under me. And I ended up getting to the point to where I had my first contact with the crisis hotline at that point. Thanks, Therese, you know, being, wow, man. being a stubborn little dog. <laughs> and then, um, you know, but he went everywhere with me. He went to church with me. He went, you know, everywhere. And, and it was during that time that I, that I actually found Christ, you know, was I was going to a church in Pekin, Illinois, Faith Baptist. And that's when, you know, Christ came into my life and became, you know, because he kept me around for a reason. But... <clears throat> Of course, you know, having a hard time dealing with everything that had gone on in my life. I, you know, was drinking heavily at the time and I thought it would be wise to go ahead and try to kill myself again. So I ended up trying to kill myself again by, uh, I went and uh, took a moped and, and knew where there was a T intersection to where I thought it, you know, cause I had it souped up to where I can get the moped up to 85 miles per hour. Yeah, it was, I think that's a different story right there. We need to, right. we need to get a moped to, right. to do that. Yeah. Holy cow. 
um, I ended, I knew where this tea was and I was going to kill myself, but I knew not to have my dog with me because he knows how to, you know, apparently save my life, you know, and I thought, well, this would be a way. And, and that's when I ended up getting my third brain injury. Like I said, one from the war, one from the parachute injury, and then one from now the moped thing that I tried to do. Um, and, you know, Reese was still at my side and he, he was a constant thing in my life. And, well, because of my suicide attempts, the VA decided that I needed to be under my parents' care full time. And if not there, to go to a nursing home. I had my choice. And wow. being uh, 42 years old, I, I knew that I didn't, I didn't want to be in a nursing home. I mean, no, no, nobody wants that. You know? No, no, that's not a bright, fun, exciting kind of place to be. That's yeah. pretty dark and dreary. I mean, I think that would make it worse. Yeah, being so, stuck in kind of a situation like that. So my parents took me in and, you know, me being the complex person that I was because I have the brain injury and because I have the PTSD, you know, from all the combat missions, they, there was some problems and they were, uh, we were on vacation up in Wisconsin and they put me on a bus cause they were sending me to Danville to go get checked into the mental. Well, me and Reese were in downtown Indianapolis cause that's where the bus transferred from the Wisconsin bus down to Indianapolis. And then, over to the uh, over to to the Danville office. Yeah, you know. But we got off the bus and we realized that you know now's the time for us to make a change in our life. And and we went and got a hotel room and and got in touch with the Indianapolis VA. I got in touch with a very good uh, psychologist there who was able to work with me to you know help me get through the the stresses that I was having and help me to gain my independence. Um. Through that uh, therapist in Indianapolis, um, she wanted me to try horse therapy with Reese, you know, to, to, to see how I would do with horse therapy because, you know, we had done a lot of different types of therapies like exposure therapy and things like that. Hey, I never heard of horse therapy. That is interesting. Well, I actually, they, they, it came along twice. So, but in order for the horse therapy to be bought, they had to have, uh, you had to be, through Wounded Warrior Project. Well, to be a part of Wounded Warrior Project, you have to be a 50% or above combat injured veteran. And I was, you know, 50% or well, 90%, you know, combat injured veteran. So I, I got to, to be a part of Wounded Warrior Program. And they started me in this horse therapy over there in Indianapolis. And, and I, I learned a lot from that because the, the horse reflects how you feel inside. Not how you're trying to show everybody else, but how you feel inside. And so you have to learn how to calm yourself and, and, and to, when you're around the horse. And that's what it's all about is, is just spending time with the horse to get to know the horse, to, you know, have something that you could still have control over, but learn how to control yourself while having control over something else. That's really interesting. I don't know a whole lot about horses. I grew up uh, west of here out by Farmington. So I was a Farmington farmer. <laughs> I was in ag classes and... <laughs> And uh, FFA and all that stuff growing up. So I understand horses a little bit, but I was never a horse rider. But that totally makes sense when you stop and think about it of, you know, how they're going to react to you. And I can see where there's a healing thing there of, yeah, you know, the trust, the mutual trust. I mean, because they can be dangerous. I mean, a horse could buck you off, kick you. I mean, a lot of things you got to build that trust. So that is really, really neat. So uh, that's how I got involved with Wounded Warrior Project. Well, they – have this other thing where it's called Project Odyssey, where you know it's supposed to help with PTSD. And since that's what I was struggling with at the time, that I went to go try it out. Well, 
because of my disabilities, I wasn't able to participate fully with everything. You know, me and Reese had to sit around a lot, you know. Well, they recognize that because they're a wonderful program and they developed a, a thing. It's for uh, combat injured veterans with either a brain injury or a spinal cord in injury. You get put into a program called the Independent Program. It's out of Wounded Warrior Project. And what they do is they, they help you to re-engage because that first year that I was in Indianapolis, the only time I left my apartment was to check the mail and take Reese to the rooftop to go to the bathroom. And that was the only time I stepped foot out of my bath, out of my apartment. Okay, wait a minute. You took the dog to the rooftop to go to the bathroom? Yeah, there was, they had a dog park on the rooftop. <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right. That's a, that's a new one for me, too. I was like... Um, it was down there on the canal in, in Indianapolis. It was a really cool place. They had a, a dog park on the on the rooftop and, and a gourmet burger place down in the basement. So I didn't really... That's interesting. I guess when you grow up in the Midwest here, you know, I mean... You, when our biggest city is Peoria, you don't really think about, you know, some of those unique things of living in a city. I would have never, never guessed that. The burger thing in the burger restaurant in the basement doesn't surprise me too much, but Don Park on the roof does. So that's. But when, uh, you know, and unfortunately, you know, with, with the horse therapy and all that, I, I got out a little bit more and I was doing good. I was taking reach to sporting events there in Indianapolis. We were going to see, you know, the Colts versus the Bears and, and different things that would happen, you know, the Pacers versus the Bulls, you know, whatever the case would be where one of my teams was involved. You know, I made sure I was there. And and they also got me to the point to where I was actually a season ticket holder for, even though I'm a Cubs fan, you know, obviously my service dog now, her name is Wrigley. But, you know, uh, I, I, I love live baseball. I'm just that person that loves to watch live baseball. So I was a season ticket holder to the Indianapolis Indians, which is a pirate minor league team, you know, but that was able to get out of my, my apartment and start to be a part of community again. And then unfortunately in uh, November of 2016, Reese passed away due to cancer. Mm -hmm. and so my immediate thing was to try to get um, a service dog and, you know, with the help of the therapist that I described, the one that really helped me a lot, she she got me in touch with, you know, ICANN, which gave me my second service dog, which was Kojak. He, mm -hmm. was, a, uh, yellow, he was a golden lab. He was a I remember lab. that's the one you had when you went on the honor flight yeah, with us. I, I had yeah. on the honor flight. And uh, anyway, I, I, I felt really blessed. And um, I was asked to come back to Illinois to help with my son. He was going, finishing up his last, you know, year of high school and he was wanting, needing a place to stay. So could I come home and, 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 you know, come back to Illinois and, and try to do that. And well, I, I wanted to, but the apartment that I lived in, the apartment complex I lived in was furnished. So, I mean, I had all their furniture was there, so I didn't have any furniture. So once again, um, Wounded Warrior stepped up and they got a hold of Salute Incorporated and, you know, these are things that, you know, veterans can be, you know, vetted for, you know, if you're a vetted veteran and you're a good veteran, you can go to these places and get the help you need. Well, Salute Incorporated, they got a hold of the Chicago Italian American Charitable Organization, Chiaco. <laughs> Chiaco heard of my problem and they gave me $10,000 to buy me and my son's furniture for my, my apartment that I had over there at the you know, Grand Prairie, you know, apartments. Wow. $10,000? $10,000 to buy two bedrooms of furniture, you know, so I was truly blessed to, to be able to, to have that. I mean, that can go a long ways depending on where you shop, you know, it's, that can, right. that can furnish a lot. 
yeah, well, I, I was able to furnish both of us and we had really nice furniture and it was a true blessing. You know, I was truly blessed. And, you know, and I started thinking about, you know, all these people, you know, given to me, it's time that I, you know, gave back. So I was looking for a place to start volunteering. Well, in the meantime, I just get back to Illinois and Wounded Warrior wants to send me on a project. Well, I mean, they want to send me to an event up in Wisconsin. So I have to go to the airport, catch my plane, and they pay for the whole thing. And they'd fly me up there to go to this event for, it was for a ton of sports. It was for people who had disabilities to learn if there's any other sport that they could play if they love sports. Okay, yeah. It was one of the events that they do that really That's helped, cool. you know. So anyway, I, I took, uh, me and Kojak went up there to that. But on our way to the event... I was at the Peoria airport. I walk into the Peoria airport and of course I'm going to a wounded warrior event. So I have all my wounded warrior gear on and, you know, my army stuff on and, you know, trying to represent and, and I get, I get stopped by this lady. She's like, Oh honey, you're way early. They won't be back till 10 o'clock tonight. And it was Phyllis from honor flight. Oh, okay. I was wondering how, you know, all that happened. Yeah. I mean, I met you the day, I think the day that you flew with us, yeah. I think that was the first time I met you and Kojak. And I, I mean, I don't, I didn't know where that all came from. Well, I'll, I'll, this is, I'll, I'll get to that. That's, this is a truly amazing thing. And so I told her that, no, I was on my way to an old, you know, to a wounded warrior event. I was like, but I wanted to get the information about her organization. Cause I was just thinking that I needed to start giving back. And then this lady shows up and says, you know, almost immediately, Oh honey, you're way early. <laughs> you know? So yeah. I was like, I need to get information. So I started, uh, I, you know, got vetted because you got to be vetted to, to start, you know, to to be one of the, the people that help, you know, because we want the best around our veterans. And so I, I got to my first night of volunteering. I I, I did the the dinner before the June 5th. Call. OK, yeah. And me and Kodak sat and we signed everybody in, you know, to the I2 club and, and you know, had them, you know, help them to their seats, you know, if needed. And we, we, we did what we could, you know. And that was my first night volunteering. And then on the way home from that, Phyllis calls me and she says, what are you doing in the morning? And I said, well, where do you need me? Because I was thinking she needed somebody to volunteer, you know, to help with the send off or something, you know, so I wanted to be helpful. And she said, no, we need you to be on the plane. We want you and Kojak to come with us. Apparently somebody wasn't able to make it to that flight. And so they gave me and Kojak that seat. Yeah, I haven't been involved with Phyllis and the, the check-in stuff before. There's always... Almost every single flight, there's somebody who drops off where a medical issue comes up or they can't make it for whatever reason. There's usually one or two vets that will drop off in the last few days. And uh, so, you know, sometimes it's, you know, we're paying for a whole plane. So we might as well get somebody in that seat that can go enjoy it and help out and, you know, and, uh, and do something nice for them. So I have, there's been a few people. So that's good that there was a couple seats open for you guys. And, and it was amazing. And, and I, you know, got to got to go and see, you know, these veterans around the wars that they were in. And I got to see the emotion and the, and the care and the, and the still love in their eyes for what they believe in. It was it was just an amazing experience and a blessed experience for me to be a part of that. You know, it is something else. I've been, I think, five or six times. And it's the, the emotion that, that look when they they see each one. You don't think the Lincoln Monument's as big as it is. You know, the World War II is just is so big, you know, and it means so much when you look at all them gold stars. You know, each one of them's got their unique thing, you know. Yeah. I, won't, I won't lie to anybody who ever watches this in the future. I have shed a couple of tears of the Vietnam Wall. 
when you well, see 15,000 plus I've names. I've had, I've had, you know, family members in every war since, you know, Korea, World War II, you know, so I, I, I mean, all those monuments, getting to see the different veterans react to them, I would just picture whether it was my dad's war in Vietnam or my grandfather's war, you know, Korea or World War II, you know, I just pictured them of what they're, you know, and that's what, that's what made it real for me. Absolutely. That's what keeps you going as a volunteer too. You know, once you've seen it, um, cause not all of our volunteers have ever had the chance to go. I mean, we get some of them that go as guardians or even some vets that go and then they come back and they want to be volunteers. And, um, the ones that have been, have seen that look, they've seen the emotion, they've seen the healing that Vietnam vets get at the, at the Vietnam wall. So it's a pretty powerful thing to be able to see it. So I get back from from the the honor flight and and I met a lady I knew her for two weeks. I decide to oh, okay, two weeks is long enough to get married because I have the brain injuries, three of them. So I I do act impulsively at times. I uh, <clears throat> was married to this lady and I get a call from Wounded Warrior Project once again. This is about uh, maybe six months into it, and they said we need you to pack a three day bag. We need to get you to a hotel room. We've already paid for it. Just go there and we'll explain when you get there. Well, you know, of course it causes a, an, an argument when the husband's packing and trying to leave for three days without explaining. <laughs> you can't <laughs> anyway, explain. When I, when I finally made it to the hotel, that's when they informed me that the, the lady I married had uh, 10 different names, four different birthdays and three different social security numbers all tied to her. So I knew that I had hmm. to get away from that. And, uh, you know, the, the people with like honor flight and the vetted, the vetted, you know, places that I belong to, like the VFW and the Navy Marine Club, the, where you got to show who you are to belong. You know, they really took care of me during that time and, and really made me feel like I, I belonged to something. Good. Well, you do belong. You're a vet. You've earned it just like everybody well, else who's put on a uniform. I was arguing with, uh, when I was arguing with the wife, you know, while I was packing, I accidentally smoked a cigarette in front of Kojak. And apparently due to the icon thing, the contract that I signed is I would not smoke a cigarette in front of the service dog. And so Kojak got taken away. Well, I happened to be able to voice my concerns at the Veterans Affairs Committee with Representative Darren LaHood, you know, of what was going on. and. And, you know, I tried to get a service dog, but because I had Wrigley, who was a puppy, and the, the puppy that they were going to start me off with would also be three months, and two three-month dogs at the same time trying to make one a service dog, one not, just wasn't going to work. And they pointed that out. That was for, through Freedom Paws. You know, they're out in Chillicothe, and they're mm -hmm. a good, good service dog organization. I'll get a bunch to them later. But okay. yeah, going, on, going on with the story is uh, what I did was, I got a hold of my case manager with Wounded Warrior Project because I'm in that independent program where they even hire a caregiver to come 15 hours a week to help me to make sure that I'm maintaining my life and doing what I'm supposed to do. You know, that, and I could take Wrigley to, they came up with the idea of t me taking Wrigley to the training and just follow the training that Freedom Paws did. You know, they do the three-step training where it's the basic, intermediate, and advanced. You know, and that's how they, they, they process and the, go through, you know, some of their training. And so I just modeled my, Wrigley's training after that. And I got her through the beginning class and the intermediate class. And, you know, now I'm having her do task training. And that's where she's at today. She's doing task training. But they, they wounded warriors said, hey, let's just train Wrigley as your service dog. But then 
after I started her training and I explained, you know, during the Veterans Affairs Committee what I was doing, uh, Darren, uh, Representative Darren LaHood uh, put together or supported a bill where, where veterans can have their choice of their own service dogs as long as they follow the process and get them trained appropriately that we have the, we have the right to do this, you know. But because I, I followed, you know, Freedom Paws example, I wanted to give back, you know. So me and Wrigley, we or we, we were over with uh, talking to Robbie, the owner of Poorhouse here in, in the Heights. And mm-hmm. one night and we were talking about how, you know, it was kind of bad that, you know, Veterans Appreciation Day was canceled, you know, because of COVID, you know, that we, we really thought we should try to do something for veterans. And he's like, any ideas? And. Of course, having Wrigley, you know, and going through what I did, I said, let's do something for them. You know, they they don't know it, but they helped me train Wrigley. You know, I did it sneakily, but they, they helped me do the right training for her that I needed to do. And so we started that. And then uh, a friend who was a friend, you know, that that knew me when I knew the wife who had the 10 birth- different names, four different birthdays and three different social security numbers. That, you know, he, he stopped and we finally got, we, we, you know, we're veterans about it and we had a beer and we talked and, and, and we came to realize that, hey, we could still pull this off. We could still have Veterans Appreciation Day. You know, Scott Corsant, he's the head of the, the Gold Star families now, but okay. we, we were like, we were like, we should, we should do something. And, and because I wanted the dogs involved and Freedom Paws, it was already on its way. So October 11th from one to four, we're having an event out at the poorhouse with Fannie Ray performing. Uh, and it's a Sunday afternoon and it's a dog event, but it's going for freedom paws for the service dog agency out in chill coffee. That's awesome. And, um, I actually put out there on our, on my social media, uh, Facebook page for this podcast. Um, I shared it to shared it to my Facebook that I was doing this and anybody have any suggestions. And I did have one person go to my website and suggest that I talk to them. And uh, I thought that uh, that'd be interesting talking to you about having a service dog, but it'd be interesting to talk to people about the whole training aspect, just even obedience it's, training. You know, how do you, how do you properly train a dog? I'm not an animal person, so I don't know <laughs> the first thing about training a dog. I don't even know how to get a dog to go outside to, to go to the bathroom, let alone get it to be obedient or do things for you. So, well, I mean, it's, it's, it's been an amazing process, you know, having to do it on my own, you know, outside of not having a, a service dog agency work with me. And, and, you know, I've had the, the brunt of all the expense of it, you know, of, of what, it, what it takes, you know, as far as your commitment with time, you know, to look to, to be the one that has to reinforce what you learn in class, you know, to, to be the one that takes the time and, and makes her learn how to walk next to you without pulling on your left hip, which is already bad anyway, already been replaced once, you know. So, <laughs> you know, you have to, you have to train her and, and she's come along famously and it just takes, it takes commitment. You know, you have to be all about your dog for a little while. And, you know, after my, my recent scave with love, I'm pretty good with just being all about my dog right now. <laughs> now you've got two dogs, right? You have a, yeah. you have a pet, another one? No? Yeah, I have a, the, the little one. Uh, her, her, her name is Ivy. You know, obviously I'm a Cub fan, so Wrigley and Ivy. <laughs> Um, Ivy, what do you do if you get a third one? <laughs> Ivy is my is my guard dog. I call her my house guard dog. She's a little chihuahua. She's a red chihuahua, and she's right down. There. <laughs> she's very small, but 
uh, she's she's my guard dog. She's she's jokingly my house guard dog. She protects the house when me and Wrigley go out to do our. The thing. little dogs are pretty good at it. I can tell you. You know, being being a realtor by trade, uh, the little dogs are pretty territorial about things like that. The big dogs usually don't care too much. They just kind of look at you and eh, whatever, you know. But the little ones, they let you know they're there. Yeah, it's it's she she's been amazing, and I got her from Paws, which is why I, I when I was originally talking with Robbie was hey let's make it a dog thing, you know let's make it about dogs for dogs, you know so that's awesome. And then and then Veterans Appreciation Day decided to step aboard, and we're all working together, and we're making good things happen for those good people. Yeah, I, this is a weird year, so you know any good that can come for any kind of organization, it's, yeah. it's worth a shot. You know, it's yeah. uh. It's a, t- it's a tough year. It's 2020. Right. <laughs> It'll go down to the history books, right? Yeah. So. <laughs> it's going to be a bad year all around. Uh, yeah, we'll make the best of it. I mean, that's all you can do is have a positive attitude and try and press on and, and right. do the best with what you got. So, um, so uh, just kind of dive right into the service dog thing there. Uh, Wrigley, where, where did you end up getting Wrigley at? I got Wrigley from a, a breeder down in, in central Illinois because my parents okay. knew how, how much I depended on dogs the day after I lost Kojak. They, they were like, you find the first available dog that you think you could do with and then we'll go get it because they know how I'm a dog person. You know, I depend, I'm, I'll admit, you know, with, with my PTSD and, and my TBI, I'm better off having a dog by my side. You know, I'm, I'm just that guy. Was there a certain breed you were looking for or was it just well, – I- I, I was originally looking for labs, but the 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 one that that I saw, I called, and I had to wait two weeks where I could have gotten Wrigley that day. And because I was fragile at that point, and I knew I needed a dog at my side because there's a lot of big changes going on in my life. You know, I needed the dog there, so I I got Wrigley because she was available that day. So that's how I ended well, up. Well, you know, strange things happen like that. So. Um, so you kind of talk a little bit about, yeah, absolutely. Everything happens for a reason. Um, you talk a little bit about the training process and kind of doing it yourself. Um, what's that kind of time demand been and, and, you know, the cost associated, not just time, but as you know, what's that, what's the training cost been like up there at the dog place? If you, if you don't mind sharing. Well, I mean, uh, like, like Wrigley's training, it, it usually costs me about 350 a month is what I'm paying for a training. And then, you know, you also, um, like, because she's not, when you get a service dog through, like, a service dog agency and stuff, they, they're VA connected. If you're VA connected, you, then you're So not, the you VA know, is taking care of those costs in those cases. Costs in those cases, you know, for, like, the vet bills, the, you know, different things that, that pop up that you need to take care of, you know, and. And they take care of that like long term as long as the dog is with you. They, they, they uh, uh, Reese was covered and, and Kojak was both covered. They were both fully covered. Every time I took them to the vet, I didn't pay anything. I just signed that I, it was me that was there. Yeah. Wow. Um, but we haven't gotten to that point with Wrigley, but we're hoping that, you know, soon we can get to that point because I know that, you know, a lot of people, you know, don't have the, the the money to spend on just their dog they have a family they have a wife they have kids you know they have they have stuff that they have to do you know and but me i've been very fortunate and, and with the lord willing you know i've been able to get a point you know through you know affordable housing and and everything and and the only one in my life is wrigley you know and that's my main concern i don't have you know significant other or anything going on so i i got I'm afforded this availability to explore this and see how much it's actually going to cost. Right now, she's 
been in training since she's three months and she won't be two years until November. And I've spent 3,500 altogether on just training. Okay. So that doesn't seem too bad for, you know, to go through a couple rounds of training and yeah, you have to, you know, you know and with her, because I have to, to be a special, a specialized dog to help with my left hand and everything to be, to be my left hand. Uh, she has to do what they call task training and and that's not in the the basic or intermediate or advanced class that's that's where you have to pay a, a private trainer to work with her for just that purpose and that's what she's at now is is learning her task training she's learning how to open the doors with a rope okay i've seen some stuff like on on youtube and stuff where people will have a like a rope tied to the fridge door and stuff like that and do yeah. something similar to that yes very okay. similar to that. that's what she's learning today that's one of her her training oh, things. It'd be really cool to kind of see that in person and see how, you know, how you command the dog to do it and how they react and stuff like that. Well, because it's important to me to be involved as much as possible. Like, like I had her where I dropped her off at school this month, where she went from eight thirty to three thirty, you know, on Fridays to go to school to learn learn these different tasks that I need her to do. Well, next month it's going to be me and Wrigley and the trainer and we're all going to work together and that, and and it's only going to be an hour long but but I'm going to be in direct contact with it and that's how I've, I'm like I said I'm, I'm really out here just trying to explore things so I'm trying to do what's best for Wrigley and best for for me in the end yeah absolutely um so what have been some of the more difficult parts of dog training then for you well me because my my left side is weak and and that's the side that I need her to walk on. It, it was hard with the with the pulling, you know, because of my hand. It would cause a lot of tenderness, you know, to even walk her to the park and everything. It was painful, but but I was able to get through it. You know, it, I think it's it's hard to understand when when people have have a dog that's there for physical aid. You know, the first thing that they want to do is is oh I want to pet that dog, and then they try to run up and pet that dog. Well, that distracts the dog, and that dog might be on that person's side for a reason, like it is in my case. You know, Wrigley's on my left side for a reason because I can't have her pulling around because that my left side is tender from all the abuse I put it through. And that's why there's there's like a keyword uh, or or a phrase or something you say to the dog to kind of put them in and out of a work mode. Yeah, um, actually, with with Wrigley because I was able to train her from the beginning. You know, a lot of service dogs they use the command re release, but because of Wrigley and I, and I was in the beginning with her training throughout the whole thing, her 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 release command is at ease. So I'll say Wrigley at ease, and she'll just I was expecting a baseball reference. <laughs> I was really expecting a baseball reference, like home run or <laughs> foul ball or something like that. Right. Right. No, it's, it's at ease. You know, I was like, well, you're a service, you know, you're for a veteran. So let's make it clear that, you know, that's you, a good one. you know, the veteran rules. <laughs> Absolutely. That is a good one. I like that. Um, so what advice would you give to somebody who's looking to go down that path, who, who thinks that a service animal will be the thing for them, but they don't really know for sure they're on that, on that edge. What, what kind of advice would you have for them? I, I would say that, you know, first of all, service dogs have, have, have meant everything to me. You know, they've, they've been a part of my life since I've been out and I've been truly blessed by them, you know, all, all three of them, you know, with Ridley being the third and, and, and it's worth the patience and, and it's worth the time because right now I take Wrigley out and, and, she, and I had a meeting with uh, James Core with the, with the, with the Freedom Paws because of this event that I tried to organize. And, and I had her next to his dogs and they were all at the same level. They both were, you know, past their inter intermediate class, you know, 
and, and Wrigley did just fine right next to him and everything. So I knew I was on the right path. Good. Know? Awesome. So you kind of hit on the VA a little bit earlier with your, the first two dogs you had, the VA was seemed like it was pretty supportive. How has the VA been in general, you know, with the service dog things and the VA? I'm, I know the VA gets a really, really bad rap in the veteran community of, you know, bad care, can't get appointments, you know, not listening to your Nick cares and needs, but how has everything been for you? You know, not, not really medical, but the, the dog, the dog wise. The dog wise, it's been very well. I mean, you know, when I was in Indianapolis, me and Reese were accepted. And then of course me and Kojak were accepted, you know, and when I came back to Peoria, you know, I didn't, uh, they didn't get to meet Wrigley until she was almost, I think it was eight months old was when I could first start taking her out to different places other than, you know, the places that you're vetted at, like, you know, I got the chance to train her around people at like the VFWs and the, and the Marine club and, and church, you know, and, and places that I belong to places that knew me allowed me to bring her to, to help me train her to be around people. And for that, I was blessed, you know, but, did you have to reach out to those organizations and say, Hey, I want to bring my dog around see how she does or. Yeah. I mean, it, it started, you know, with the, with the VFW and the Marine club and church, you know, they, they, they were the ones that let me, you know, bring Wrigley around and, and let me train her around people and let me re redirecting her as often as I needed to, you know, and, and they really helped with that, you know, but, but these are organizations that knew me, that knew who I was and, and then they knew how important dogs were to me. And so they, they gave me kind of a curve a little bit, but, and, you know, but with uh, Freedom Paws, they were doing their, they're training out at the VFW out in Chillicothe. So I thought, well, I have to take Wrigley to places where I'm vetted. You know, when, so I thought of my VFW over here in, in the Heights and then, you know, the Navy Marine Club here in the Heights, you know, and, and then my church, Faith Baptist and Pekin, you know, we were all in agreement to, hey, let's help get this dog trained, you know. And I'm sure that, you know, if the veterans were to ask around, they would find places that, that would allow them to, to come and expose their dogs to people if they're trying to get that service dog level. I'm sure it's kind of hard to, for some people, to figure out where to go, where we're safe, because... You know, I've seen some people out there with service dogs that I knew they were vets with a service dog. And, you know, I've gotten some weird that they don't know, you know, just looking at me on the street that I'm a vet as well. And I remember one lady I saw one day and I was like, hey, you got a really pretty dog. That was it. Like, that's all I said. And she just gave me well, a sideways look like, get away from me. Don't talk to me. I, you know, I was just I just wanted to tell her. I mean, she, it was a like a Cocker Spaniel or something crazy looking like that. I'm like, I said, I'm not a dog person, but I was like, it was a really pretty dog. But, I was like, you know, it was weird, you know. And and I understand, you know, it gets annoying, and you know, and that's why I appreciate the the Peoria Heights community for putting up with me because you know when I was first trying to train regularly of getting her, you know, out to bigger places, which is how I came upon the you know Poor Brothers was because I was looking for a bigger place where Wrigley and I could be accepted, where I could put her around more people, so I can get her up to the point to where I can go to baseball games, you know, if they ever reopen. <laughs> <laughs> eventually, <laughs> but, we'll be there eventually. You know, um, um, it, 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 so, so it's a process and I, and I needed help with that. And Ford brothers, you know, they're dog friendly anyway, and they've seen all the progress that she has made, you know, and, and so they, they, they helped me raise her there. And then that's when me and Robbie were talking, you know, Hey, let's do something for the dogs. You know, we, we, we owe a lot to, I do, I owe a lot to, 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 to my dogs in my life. Yeah. Sounds like they've been, I mean, I knew they were in, uh, influential in your life you know they were really important to you but i didn't know they were that important to you, you know the dog literally stepping in there and saving you 
that's incredible. But, um, you know, speaking of being out in public with dogs, and I don't necessarily want the business names, but it, has there been places that have, have had issues? Have, has people, have people made comments about having a dog in certain places? Well, I mean, you're, you're going to have that, especially if you're training. And, and that's one thing is that you have to be, you know, you have to be forgiving. You have to, you have to say, well, you know, maybe Wrigley was having a bad night the last time I saw them. You know, maybe that's why they're over there saying that dog is not trained, you know, or whatever. That was a long time ago. That was during the training. Oh, sure. It's really bad in the beginning. Yeah. You know, and, and, you know it's to the point to where she just does what I say. I mean, everybody just th- is just amazed about how far she's come and, you know, they, they've really, you know, given her a lot of good props for, for all the stuff that she knows how to do now, you know, so I couldn't be more blessed. I know now that Wrigley was actually the one that was meant to be my service dog, not the one from yeah. Frida Falls. I just had to be connected it's, to them to learn how to, to train her. You know, <laughs> weird things happen in this world. You know, certain things just, you know, happen to you at the right time, just like Phyllis seeing you in the airport right. and, you know, other things like that. I, that's how I got involved with Honor Flight was I was just looking for a, a service organization to volunteer my time. Just get involved to some degree, figure out something, see what's going on in the veteran community. I'd been out in the military for just a couple of years. I got out in 2011 and I watched the documentary and then Google, I'm like, oh, great. There's a Peoria hub. That's just cool. All right. Well, I'll fill out this volunteer application. It was like six months later. Yeah, I watched it right after the last flight of a year and it was like that next spring and I got this email and said, hey, you know, sign up for this, sign up for that. And so I did. Uh, there was an event at Sumner Park, the World War II reenactment they do every year. I signed up for that. And then the next day was the pre-flight dinner. And then I did the morning check-in and the return. I'm like, I'll give this organization a shot because I thought the documentary was awesome. Let's see what it is. I'll do four different events. If I don't like it, I won't come back. And now it's been five or six years and I'm the guardian training team leader and been involved in the check-in and fundraising and you name it. And you know, it's a lot of work going to some of those events and I might come home really, really tired uh, physically, my knees, my back, whatever, uh, exhausted from it. But it really recharges my batteries to be out there and and just talk to some of the older vets and see what's going on and help them out and give them that last trip, which is just amazing. And, and, and when they get that welcome home, you know, that's the big event. You know, that's the that's the grand that's the grand finale. And it's wonderful to see the look and expression on their face, because a lot you of them get that when they when they when they originally went, you know, yeah. welcome home. It's it's uh it's amazing as much as the news plays it. And I hope I'm not. Uh, well, I'm probably not uh, tipping anybody off, but. I'm sure none of my listeners are going to be the Korea War or World War II era guys, but, you know, the news is always playing things about the welcome homes. People know that there's a sizable crowd that's there, and there's still a look of shock in their eyes. Like, all this for me, when you've got the the AMVETs and the Legion Riders and the Marine Corps League out there, and they all got their, their motorcycles out front and their vests on and a line of flags and and the um, – what am I thinking of? The, uh, the drum guys, the – yeah, the with the bagpipes, bagpipe guys, the Celtic group, Celtic group, or whatever. Um, yeah, there's still this like look of amazement. Like they know most of them know something's going on, right? But they're they come down there, they're, they're not prepared for it, and um, and it does mean something a little different, you know. Because I always tell people the World War II guys, when we still, if we can still find them, they haven't gone or unfortunately haven't passed. It's their last trip of their life. We know it. 
this is the last time they're going anywhere other than maybe a couple hour road trip to see family. Korean War guys are right behind them. It's pretty much their last trip, and they're considered forgotten war. It's their opportunity to realize that what they did was not forgotten. But the Vietnam guys, I have seen so many guys break down. I've seen guys break down in that tunnel before coming out. I've seen massive amounts of crying, and I've heard stories of like almost complete healing, just a weight that's been lifted off their chest, off their shoulders for the last 50 years. Yeah. And that is an incredibly powerful thing that keeps us all going as volunteers. You know, I've, I've been volunteering, you know, because uh, of, of the exposure therapy that my therapist wanted me to do. She wanted me to do something where I was in the middle. So she'd have me did that where you're in the middle and you're keeping the aisles clean. You know, so, oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, so that way I would be forced to be out there in front of people. So that way I can get over She's all about that exposure therapy. I don't know. I tell you what, all these years I've been involved, I had never signed up for that. And there was a flight maybe, oh, maybe a year and a half ago. Um, somebody had a family emergency. The person that normally has that bull, that bullhorn and walks down there and makes the announcements, she was gone. There was nobody else that was going to do it. You know, when you get far enough deep into an organization, all of a sudden you become that guy. Right. And so somebody hands me the megaphone. They're like, we need you to go make the announcements. Like, what? You need me to do what? I don't do crowds. Um, never been a big crowd person. My, my first deployment was at a prison camp. I don't like big groups of people around me too well. I don't deal with that. I, I can deal with it, but boy, that anxiety level reaches some – it's pretty high. And um, well, luckily, one of the persons like, I'll walk with you. I'm like, good. <laughs> you keep the time. You just tell me what to say. And I'm going to get down this row, this row and back as quick as possible. And we're going to make as few announcements as possible. And it pushes you through your comfort zone. But holy cow, I oh, wish I had one. something to help ease that pain. That's <laughs> 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 probably the most uh, most awkward, one of the most awkward situations I've, I've been in with Honor Flight. But, you know, it's, it's all about the cause. It's all about making the mission happen. So. Yes. You know, at the end of the day, I was like, it's over. I can calm down. It's all good. You know, I will make sure that I'm not anywhere near that ever again. If there ever needs to be somebody to make that announcement, but <laughs> been there and done that. So, yeah, I, I, I won't be accepting the microphone. Yeah. I'm, I'm not ever getting to that point. <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of a behind the scenes kind of guy. I'm, you know, let me just do my work kind of behind the scenes thing. Even doing this podcast is kind of putting myself out there in some ways and, and, um, you know, but it's a, but it's a passion and, uh, it can be helpful for people. So, um, and when you said, you know, originally it being about service dogs, I thought, well, that's what I'm very passionate about. So yes, I have to do this. You know? Yeah. Well, I really appreciate it. Um, you know, I guess I got one more question about the service dogs and we talked earlier about, you know, the commands to, you know, work and not work. How should somebody approach somebody that's got a service dog about petting them or asking them questions or whatever, you know, what's the best way to approach? Go up to the, the, the person. And if, if all possible, make sure that the person sees you approaching them and, you know, make eye contact and say, may I pet your, your service dog? If they say no, accept it. And, and, you know, they may release them later or in my case, at ease her later. Yeah. But they, they, they may, you know, because I'll do that, you know, if I'm at a place for a little bit, enough people have asked, I'll, I'll release Wrigley and let her go say hi to everybody. And when I go to the, 
the dinners on, on Monday morning with the other honor flight veterans and volunteers, I, I, I let Wrigley go around and say hi to everybody and greet everybody before I sit down. Oh, I bet those guys love that too. Oh yeah. The, you know, yeah. Nora and I mean, everybody just, just absolutely loves to say hi to Wrigley. I, oh, I bet. I, I, I'm not for sure all of them know my name, but they, they, know I'm, <laughs> they think I'm Wrigley's treat dealer. Yeah, well, <laughs> that's a good way of looking at it. She might look at it like that way too sometimes. So um, that is awesome. That I think that's some good advice of, of kind of seeing somebody because I know nobody wants to be kind of have somebody come up behind them. Right. Um, I knew you were probably going to say that about, you know, asking the permission, but letting them see you, I, I, I think that's a good one. I think that is probably great advice for anybody looking to do that because I've seen it a few times where kids just want to run up and, and, you know, I know kids are different, but. Well, you know, with, and, and that was why, why I was glad that one of my uh, places to train regularly was church, you know, so that she got used to being around the church kids so that she knew what, what her role was, you know, and that's where, where that played a big role was to, for her to be around kids for basically her to be around anybody. She's going to be fine. Good. I hope the, in my mind, I hope that more people start getting service animals because there's a lot of people out there that need it. And then hopefully as a, as a whole society gets more comfortable with people out there with having dogs. I think it's something I've seen over maybe the last 10 years, you know, you used to not see too many service dogs out there. Now right. you see a little bit more and hopefully people start training their kids that you can't, that dog's got a vest on. You can't just one up and go pet it. You know, you can't pet every dog that's out there approach you know this person's got it this dog is working they have a purpose and you know you can't just run up and pet every dog it it has gotten better over the years like i said you know i've i've had a service dog for uh well 10 10 years now so you know i had when they first when they first were having service dogs i was part of that group you know so it's and, but they, it's gotten a lot better over the years i just think it's important you know for people to just be courteous you know number one nobody likes to be approached from behind especially if they're disabled in a certain way you know maybe got some ptsd issues you know make sure that you you always try to approach everybody you know where they can see you approaching them you know that's why that's always been an important goal of mine is to make sure that people know that hey i'm he's approaching me you know mm-hmm. and and just you know it is getting better i just think it's, it takes time you know and hopefully you know, we can educate people through podcasts like this, you know, or, or like a, events, you know, where I can have, you know, Freedom Paws actually talk about, you know, what, what it does for to, to people when, when you try to do that kind of thing. You know, just I think it, I think there's a chance for us to really push this forward. Yeah, I hope so, because there's a lot of people that need it for whatever reason, whether it's PTSD or traumatic brain injury or um, I know people with certain medical issues. I don't know if di- diabetics are that way, but I've seen things on videos where people start having epileptic seizures and stuff and the dogs are there to, you know, help them out, jump on them or, you know, stressful environments. They lay on their lap. So there's a lot, there's a lot of need for it. So we'll move on to the the next topic. Um, Since you're sitting in your house, uh, you got your house through a a program. I'm not exactly certain which one, but uh, what, what, what program did you get your house built through? It's uh, the the greater Peoria uh, uh, habitat for humanity once a year, they, they help a, a, a veteran, you know, help them get a, an affordable housing, which has allowed me, like I mentioned earlier, because of the affordable housing, I'm able to, to spend money on training Wrigley and, and doing what's right in our case. You know, that's what gives me that freedom. It's because I was blessed to have this, this house 
it, 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 it's not a gift. It's where they, they allow somebody to, the chance, you know, who's never owned a home before to, to, to have low affordable housing and, and really nice housing, you know, really, really well put together. I mean, it's just, it, it's just been a, a true, true blessing. And they're, they're a wonderful Christian, you know, um, and a non-for-profit, but that they, 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 they are just amazing people. Awesome. And, uh, when, I think it was sometime in the last year, maybe I'm wrong, but when, when did you finally get the keys and, and move in? I moved in last July, July 13th. I've been okay. probably about a year ago. A little bit over a year. And, okay. and, and like I said, you know, it's been just a, a wonderful place and, and that allowed me to, to, uh, being in this place allowed me to be able to go to the VFW over here, which is just a, a few blocks from my house. And then the, the Marine Navy club, these, these clubs that I belong to, you know, that I've been vetted through that I got to go and bring Wrigley and, and they helped me to train her to, to be around people. Awesome. So with the, with the house and, and the actual construction part, uh, were you involved in any of the designing of the floor plan or what goes in things like that? Or is it just like a standard floor plan kind of thing that they build for you? Well, they, they, they had the floor plan put together. They, they told us which each of the rooms were going to be, you know, uh, that's, you know, back when I was um, married to the, the, the one person. Um, but they, they told us, you know, what kind of plan. And then the only thing that we, we got to do was, was pick the outside color, you know, and we had a choice between two, two different colors. But they've been really good, you know, especially with my handicaps and stuff. I got... Uh, special two uh, rails that they put in on the, on my front porch so that it's a lot easier for me to get up and down that that big step because I still have trouble with some of my mobility. I, I would guess they probably do that for everybody. Look at a, each individual case maybe. And what does this person need? You know, do they need, uh, you know, handicap accessible doors? Do they need wider hallways? Do they need handles here in the bathroom or the hallway and things like that? Well, like you know, for my stairs downstairs, I've got rails going on both sides because I only have, you know, proper use of my right hand. So I got to have something I can hold on the right hand of each side. So they put rails on each side. They did, they take the time to, to really help who's ever they're, they're doing the house for. And, and it's just a true, a truly wonderful Christian program, uh, not-for-profit that just is out there to try to give, you know, people a, a little bit of a, a help up, you know, not, not a hand, hand out, a help, uh, a hand up. I think that's what people need. Uh, handouts, handouts are one thing, but a hand up is what people need in all kinds of dis different aspects, you know, help, help somebody, not just, throw some stuff at them, <laughs> let them figure it out. You know, help them get, you know, sustainable and on their own and doing their own thing versus just giving it to them, you know, yeah. give, them, give them the resources, I guess. So so how long did that, the whole process take, you know, from from when you found out that this was going to happen for you, you know, the whole building process, whatever paperwork. The building process uh, uh, it, and everything, uh, it was originally we were going to have it at, at one point, but then, you know, everything kind of, Came, came to a halt because during, you know, the divorce, we had to figure out, you know, I had to be protected from, with my lawyer, got me protection to keep the house and all that. We had to, so unfortunately, uh, Habitat for Humanity chose me. And, and so we had to wait a little bit for everything to be cleared up, you know, to where I can have my house protected. And then, uh, so it ended up being about six months longer than what I thought, but I still not even close to uh, putting in all my sweat equity hours. That's something that you have to give back to help build. Okay. Uh, you get, I, I have 500 hours that I have to donate and, 
And once again, ha- you know, Habitat, they've been so, so kind. They, they know my disabilities that they let me just volunteer by going in and taking out the trash at the restore and, and you know, doing small things that I'm able to do. And, and they know that it's going to take a long time for, 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 for me to complete my hours, but they know that I just plan on just doing that. That's just one of the places I'm going to volunteer at as a way to pay back. You know, even when my hours are complete, I'll probably be still going in yeah. and taking empty in their trash. I mean, on the surface, 500 hours sounds like a lot, but when you, you know, apply that over a few years, it'll, it'll go by a lot faster than what you think. Well, I, I'm, I'm, I'm actually, I, I'm, I think I'm right at almost uh, uh, 275, something like that. So I'll okay. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, see, like I said, well, it shouldn't take too long. No. It seems like an astronomically high number at first, like 500 hours, like, but yeah, like you say, you know, but you get over there and take out trash and do a couple other things. You're, you know, you're probably there an hour, hour and a half doing some things. So, yeah, and 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 they know that it's it's going to take me time because there's some days where I still have trouble walking, you know, and and I still have trouble, you know, standing for periods of time. And and you know, they they work with me. They're they're a very caring and and, and loving group, and, and and I just adore what they do for people. Awesome, that is good. So uh, through the whole process, you know, what are the what are some of the pros and cons of, of, you know, getting the house and all that? Well, one of the pros is is definitely, I mean, I get a I get a place to where I actually get to settle down. You know, I'm no longer in the military where it's travel here, travel there. So I don't need to go from <laughs> every couple of years you're gone. Office, yeah, you know, just and just live apartment to apartment. This gives me a chance to to plant plant my roots, leave my legacy for my son. You know, and and to have something that belonged to me, you know, this is a chance, you know, for for a lot of a lot of positive things in my life. That's the dream of home ownership. But as a realtor, I promise I won't go on a big soapbox on that one. But it does. It builds a lot of equity. You know, if you live there for 20 or 30 years and you pay it off, then you've got an asset that you can hand down to your son. You know, you've got something tangible rather than just, you know, spending money on rent in a place where you can't put nail holes in the wall on the roof but still this yeah is i can i can build a little a dog area for for my dogs you know i can just get some fencing done and, and you know this could be my own little setup yeah just don't go down the rabbit hole too much when it comes to like pinterest ideas and stuff uh you surf the internet too much for ideas it's going to get expensive quick i'll just forewarn you <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of ideas out there um i've done you know with covid i've done some projects around my house and it's just like oh man there's a ton of ideas Let's oh yeah not go too far down the rabbit hole you wouldn't believe all the ideas i have for this place i mean yeah we're talking everything from a hot tub to a dog park to <laughs> well hot tubs are therapeutic so i don't blame you there is you know there's there's some benefits there so but yeah that's that's the joy and you, you know kind of thinking of you mentioned military housing i mean i remember being in housing at, at Scott Air Force Base, my last assignment, we lived in base housing for like seven months or so, right before until I got out, and we had painted every room in that place, and they had that very specific color that right. absolutely had to be, and it had to be freshly painted before you left, and it was just like, wait a minute, why, why did we paint this? Right. <laughs> you know, because they, well, pro- probably because the color was hideous. But you know, you wanted to splash a color and make it your own. But then you're here. You are six months later, paint over it again. Right. So that's yeah. the joy of your own home. You can paint whatever color you want, and you don't have to repaint it in the next year or two right. when you when you leave. So, 
Um, so last thing here, we kind of talked about Honor Flight already a little bit uh, and how you got in, involved. Um, you know, what would you say? I guess I got one, really one question. What would you say to any vet? Because I, I know you've been there um, and talked to vets who haven't gone. What do you say to them when they look at you and say, man, it's not for me. It's not my thing. Let the older guys go, whatever. What's your, what's your counter response to that? My, my response is, is that, you know, look at, look at what you've done. Look at what you've done for our country. You know, your memorial is there, you know, and there's reason that that memorial is there. It was put there in your honor. That's what memorials are, you know, they're, they're, they're to honor the people that you served with, the people that lost their lives for you and with you and next to you. And, you know, and, and it's time that you got honored for that, for that reason is because you, you've, you've survived, my friend. You're, you're with us. You're still here. You're still talking. You're still having breakfast, whatever the case may be. You're still here. And, and, and that means to have all the positive meaning in the world to know that you're still here. You're still, you're still willing to, to try to be that, that good veteran, you know, cause that's, that my, my goal is to get back to the, the enthusiastic person the day that I signed the dotted line. I, that's, that's my eventual goal. I'll let you know how that goes, but that's yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think it's um a lot of times when I when I hear that from from guys trying to sign them up and they're like, well, I didn't do anything. I was in the guard. I was in the reserve. I never left the states. I was in Fort Sill during Vietnam, or you know, I was at Vandenberg Air Force Base during you know, I never went to Vietnam, or I never went to Korea. It's like everybody serves. Oh, you yeah. did your job. You did your job stateside so that you could support the guy that is over there. Right. I so mean, go support I mean, him again and go back to that memorial. I mean, you know, I mean, you, you just you, you realize, you know, even even, you know, being a combat soldier, you realize that the, it's the people that, that made the ammo, that made sure that the ammo got to you, that, you know, was able to save your life in this situation. You know, they're, they're just as much responsible for this moment as, as you are, you know, because you know how much you depend on everything going the way that it should, you know, in those tense, tense moments. Absolutely. I got a cousin that was in the, in the Marine Corps and, uh, and he'd give me a hard time all the time about being Air Force. And, um, I looked, I mean, I was making a joke back, you know, well, you are department of the Navy. Um, but, uh, you know, my response always to him kind of seriously, kind of half joking is, yeah, you were out there on the front lines, you know, the army and the Marines, that's what they do, you know, but they still have support guys, but, it's the Navy and the Air Force that are flying everything over to you and getting, you oh, know, yeah. everything's coming via ship or, or air. Yeah. And, um, you know, we work together. So, you know, well, go I together. That, I that like with me, with being 82nd Airborne, of course, we've got jokes specifically for the Air Force. You know, <laughs> There's lots I, of them. I've got broad shoulders. Odds, odds are that, that, from what I understand, that most, most crashes happen when you try to land. So I'm trying to get out before that happens. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, there's a reason I was security forces. I, uh, when I signed up, it was either going to be firefighters, security forces, or uh, aerial gunner. And security forces job came up. Some kid broke his leg. So recruiters like, hey, here's your shot if you want to go to basic. And I'm like, sure, let's do it. I'll take this job. But um, I didn't do a whole lot of flying. I mean, I, I flew over for my two deployments and a couple, couple trips here and there. But I was usually found myself on the rear end of the plane, sitting in a pickup truck, freezing my butt off in the middle of winter, uh, or sweating my butt off and. uh in this on the scorching tarmac in the middle of summer watching a plane sit there and do nothing so uh that was usually my view on the front or the back of a plane or driving around them and just hoping you don't accidentally hit one of the multi-million dollar vehicles 
right. uh, weapons of war there. Uh, <laughs> that would not look good on your record. So, yeah, there's a there's a lot of jokes, and that's always my response is, you know, your water, your fuel, your vehicles, your equipment, your ammo, none of that gets to you without the Air Force and the Navy. And um, But we don't win the wars without the Marines and the Army. So, you know, it's, it's a joint effort. And luckily we're – Everybody's involved. I mean, yeah. during wartime, everybody's involved. But, hey, we still like the jokes back and forth. I mean right, – right, That's between <laughs> us. You know, yeah. that's, that's yep. a veteran could do that to another veteran, but don't let us. Absolutely. Know. You know, it even happens in the same, in the same branches. I, I was going to ask you, cause you were 82nd. Is there, is there a beef between 101st and 82nd or any uh, other, uh, no, we, I mean, units? you know, we as the 82nd all Americans have nothing but respect for the, the, the fallen chickens. <laughs> I have heard that one. That's a good one. Falling chickens. <laughs> Yeah, I see. I figured there'd be something there. I knew there had to be something there. That is awesome. Uh, <laughs> falling chickens. I'm gonna remember that one forever. Uh, so I, I really got like three more questions for you, and these are very generalized questions. Okay. So anybody who is currently serving in the military now and looking at transitioning out of the military for whatever reason, what pieces of advice would you have for them? Okay. Um... Um, I'll, I'll go ahead and, you know, you're, you're expecting a baseball analogy earlier. I'll go ahead and use it now. Um, what you need to do is, is when you get out is you need to treat it like you would treat a curve. You wait on it because if you wait on it, it'll, you can hit it out of the park. You get involved with your VA. You take it slow. You take it easy. You don't try to rush into things. You don't try to, you know, do be happily married and have your family and have your house all in one year. You, you, you be patient and you wait for the curve so that when, when it gets to you, you can knock it out of the park. You think people would be good at being patient. Right. <laughs> Hurry up and wait. But <laughs> it's not everybody's strong suit, you know, because the, the civilian world. Out, you know, once we get out, we're all like, oh, hey, let's try this. Okay, let's do this. All, all this came out, you know, while I was in, you know, because. Yeah. Well, and it's, it's a very fast paced world, you know, the civilian world is. And it's different. And, and, and I think that causes a lot of people issues with transition. So I think that's really good advice. Just take it slow, you know, get, getting connected with those service organizations, definitely go to the VA and get yourself hooked up for care and, you know, figure out what your resources are. And that's actually one of the reasons I want to make this podcast is tell people about the resources that are out there and preach this, especially to those that are in uniform. It's going to be different. Right. There's no doubt about it. It's going to be a totally different world, but there's people out there that have been in your shoes and we're here to support you and just take it slow. Take yeah, it one step at a time, find the right support networks. You got this. So that's, um, that's a good one. Base, good baseball analogy there. Uh, so I'm going to flip the, flip the script here. Instead of people getting out, what's your advice to anybody looking to join the military today? Once again, you know, when you're, when you're joining, you're, you're, I, you have that excitement, that, that exciting day where, where you feel proud of what you're doing, you know, to get back to that point to where you're truly proud to, 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 to be signing that dotted line and, and to serve your country, you know, especially at times when there's difficult going on in the world that you know that your, 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 your country's involved in and to, for the safety of the people behind you, because what you're doing is you're signing up, you know, not because you may be mad at what's in front of you. You're signing up because you, you love what's behind you. And for that, I have total respect for you. Awesome. That's a good one. And uh, this is a really good question for you. My, my last general question, my idea of setting this podcast up was to ask three questions of every guest here at the end, every veteran or military guest. So 
what veteran social groups or organizations do you highly recommend that people get involved with? Oh, I mean, there's so many good ones out there. There's, there's the, the, the veterans outreach, uh, down in, uh, the, the, the Red Cross, they, they help homeless veterans, you know, the, the, the veterans that are, are struggling due to homelessness, you know, for one reason or the other, it's not for us to judge. It's uh, for us to help. Mm-hmm. And Get a hand up, you know, hand up and not a handout, you know, and, you know, there's, uh, you know, Habitat for, for Humanity, you know, Honor Flight. There's there's great organizations out there that, that you need to, 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 to explore and find out which one fits you and, and find out, you know, where your, where your best continued service is. Because as a veteran, you know, especially a disabled veteran, your only goal is to learn how to serve with your disabilities and with everything involved. And, you know, I've been blessed in a way that I've been able to give back even with my disabilities and even with everything involved. So just find where you fit in. Absolutely. And, but I think that's a challenge though. It's uh takes some soul searching to kind of figure out where you fit in, where you want to go in your life. I mean, everybody's going to be different. If you've done 20 years in the military, you're probably in a different mindset than if you, entered at 18 and got out at 22 you know i had no clue what i, I mean i joined at 21 so <laughs> at 22 i definitely didn't know where my life was going i, uh, I joined at 33 i i quit being a nurse you know i was already an lpn but i joined at 33 was when i joined i, I waited a little later but you so know, you were the old guy in basic training huh oh yeah i was i was i was pops oh man <laughs> <laughs> I, we didn't have anybody that was well, we had a couple guys that were older i don't think they were over 30 but in my tech school, security forces tech school, we had a couple of guys that, I mean, they had just missed the cutoff by literally weeks, maybe a month, uh, whatever the age uh, limit was at that time. They were instantly in charge. Those two completely in charge of all roughly a hundred of us that were going through that training, that, that, uh, training team. And I was like, man, I feel sorry for them. I felt old at 21, you know, having a, I had an associate's degree already. And I was like, Got my airman, you know, E3, airman first class stripes right after basic. And so I was automatically looked at kind of too in that next tier of, well, you're older, you're more mature, you're not 18 or 19. So whip these guys into shape, you know, keep everything going. So an interesting perspective. It would have been really interesting at 33. <laughs> well, yeah. And then, and then, of course, you know, me and basic, you know, the, 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 the platoon sergeant comes to me you know and he says hey you know your pt scores are high enough what do you think about airborne school and you know me being at that point in my life of where i was where i wanted to just go fight this war i was like oh airborne school yeah let's go do that so at 33 i joined airborne school after basic (laughs) now see to me that would have been that would have been really scary i've i've always been conflicted if i'd ever want to jump out of an airplane or not i don't do roller coasters won't do them I'm not much of a thrill seeker. Uh, you know, you see them freak accidents that, that happen. And I try and explain this to my wife all the time because she loves roller coasters. I'm like, I'm not doing it. You know, those freak accidents you read about on, on, on the news, right. that's going to be this guy. I'm not doing it. But I would consider jumping out on an airplane. I mean, you know, if your chute doesn't deploy – well, that that would the, the results. Uh, the results are pretty clear. I mean, the second brain injury, the the second of the three brain injuries, would be the 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 shoot incident. I was jumping, and I'd just gotten back on. You know, after the brain injury, I just got on the jump status and everything. And you know, I got my first jump was June twenty uh, sixth of of two thousand and ten, and 
went on jump status and so I was going out of the airplane and, and, and after my last TBI, you know, they said, okay, you're free to jump again. Well, I deployed my chute and everything, everything was going fine, but then somebody dropped their equipment into my chute because my chute to collapse, somebody above you, it's called a sky shark. That's what we call them airborne. But they, they uh, sky sharked my chute and dropped their equipment into my chute causing that to collapse, causing, you know, my second brain injury and more damage to my left side, you know, so. Wow. So then you were able to get a reserve chute up or? No, no, no I, I no. crashed to the ground. They said that my chute collapsed when I was, they figured about 70 to 75 feet high. Oh, okay. So it's, you know, yeah, any higher than that probably would have been uh, drastically different. I, would yeah, probably, I mean, because I was already, my left side was crushed, you know, at that point, so. Man, wow. Yeah, that didn't. It didn't end well. No, that didn't end well. No, <laughs> but here you are today. You're, you're still right, here. You're, you're right, still right. with us. You're still a valuable member of these organizations, and, and it's appreciated. And well, I mean, uh, it's important for me to always keep that in mind that, you know, with, with the suicide attempts and, and, you know, surviving what I've survived, you know, during my army days, you know, I need to realize that I'm here for a reason and, and I just need to figure out where my place is. And I think I found it with the organizations that I'm involved with and trying to help them out. You know, that's where I'm at right now. You know, I, I can, you know, find other organizations, you know, it depends on where your heart lies. And that's why I suggest that everybody just finds out where they fit in is because it's important to, to not just want to volunteer just to volunteer but to volunteer for the organizations because you believe in what they're doing and you and you truly love what they're doing and you and you get to see the the the, the love on their face when when they get the welcome back when when they when they get the house you know you know for, for from feeling of when you get your house your own house that's that's easy to afford and and you can do the things that you want to do in life mm -hmm. absolutely yeah definitely definitely all about finding your path and it's gonna be different for everybody you just got to be honest with who you are and what direction you want to go and just go do it. It sounds pretty simple, but that's kind of been my philosophy. Find out who you are, what you want to do and go do it. Exactly. And, uh, and just try and be happy and grateful and have a vision and a path. So, but uh, well, that's, that's all I had uh, that, that I wanted to ask you about Jeff. And I just want to say, I really appreciate you coming on being on here for this episode. Uh, I really hope that this has been informative, especially about the service animals because I know that there's some people out there that are probably on the fence right now looking at, do I get one? Do I not get one? What's, what's this whole going to look like? You know, what's the situation look like? What am I getting into? It's not just getting a pet and, and figuring out how to keep them from pooping on the carpet. There's <laughs> you know, a lot more involved. So you know, hopefully that's uh, hopefully it helps somebody out. So but, once again, and, and, and yeah, and then, and you know, that's why it's important to have the events like I'm trying to have like, you know, October 11th, you know, from one to four at Poor Brothers, you know, for Freedom Pauses, so that people understand that these 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 organizations are out here for a reason. It's because there is people who need to have that dog by their side. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, I will have it on my schedule, and I will do my best to to get there, unless you know, unless COVID makes it way worse or something like that, and yeah, <laughs> and everything shuts down. Let's let's cross our fingers. Hoping we're heading hopefully, out. Hopefully, we can get it done. Yeah, hope yeah. Hopefully we get it done because uh, you know who knows how all this uh, pandemic global pandemic continues to play out for 2020. But anyway, you know I'm there to support you, and uh, I appreciate you being on. All right, thank you. Yep. You have, have a good one. Yep.